Good to be here with you this morning. Ryan is off turkey hunting this morning, so uh, we can pray for all those around him. <laughs> if you, you want to ask Matt about some of Ryan's turkey hunting adventures, he has some great, great stories there. Good sermon illustrations, I'm sure, will come out of this. So, no, it is great to be with you here. We're in the series that we're calling Distractions, and I had a, a, a kind of distraction of my own. Uh, that last week, I was uh, had the privilege of being in the cultural epicenter of the United States of America, uh, that great place known as Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, um, I was uh, kind of doing a speaking tour of some churches in Iowa, and um, and my last stop was in Des Moines, and I wanted to be uh, back in uh, West Bend by about noon to get some work done during that day. So by five o'clock, I was up and I was on the road, and um, and because I knew I had a lot of driving in front of me. Uh, and being the very spiritual person that I am, I put in the soundtrack to Hamilton the musical. Okay, anyone ever listen to Hamilton at all? Pure genius. Okay, highly recommend it. Uh, it's just amazing stuff. And so I, I, it's been, it had been a while since I had listened to it from start to finish the whole way. And uh, and and near the the end uh, of of the the musical, uh, Aaron Burr and Hamilton are having a, a duel. Okay, and and, and Aaron Burr is, is just about to fire his weapon and, and kill Hamilton. Sorry for the spoiler there, but it's, it has been 200 years, okay? So, but, um, and, and, and time like freezes, and, and Hamilton goes into this kind of extended monologue, this soliloquy where he's just sharing his thoughts out loud right before he's ab- about to, to die. And, uh, and he talks, talking about America and about how America is this great unfinished symphony, this place that even has a, a place for orphaned immigrants like himself to come and make their mark on America. And the whole piece is moving and it's visceral and it's profound and I'm getting caught up in it and it's, you know, it's going on. And, and, and I, I didn't realize I'd missed my, my turnoff about two, two miles back. And, then, and what happened? I got distracted got distracted it's easy to do happens all the time in in fact for some of us it's kind of like an illness you know (laughs) it's kind of an occupational hazard uh, so to speak and uh and and we get distracted all the time we're in this series that we're calling distractions and the main premise the main theme of this entire series is that god has a vision and he's got plans and intentions for each and every one of our lives, but so often we don't realize and so often we don't step into them because somehow we get distracted along the way. And like my trip to Iowa or back from Iowa, distractions can lead to delays. And delays, uh, if left unchecked, can lead to disasters. And uh, many of you are familiar with this new phenomenon that we have called distracted driving. Right? How many of you have seen the guy in front of you, you know, kind of weave all over the road as he's trying to multitask and, and text while he's driving? I know that we've all seen that person, but none of us have ever been that person before. I know, right? Okay. But not only do we have distracted driving, but we have this thing called distracted walking, where people are texting and they're walking and they end up getting hurt along the way. In fact, let's, let's just watch this video real quick. Uh, they have a whole news story on this. It's just maddening for everyone else. It is an epidemic texting while walking. And tonight, one town is saying it's time to level fines against people who walk into the streets 
heads down, everybody else trying to dodge them. And new videos show it is more than just a nuisance. Here's ABC's Dan Harris. Texting and walking, that thoroughly modern epidemic. Look at this guy walk into a wall. Or this woman walk into a mall water fountain. And check this out, a bear on the loose, and this man texting almost walks right into him. The videos are funny, but the problem is serious. According to the most recent numbers, more than a 1,000 people went to emergency rooms because they got hurt while walking and distracted on the phone. Double the year before, which was double the year before that. Bonnie Miller walked off this pier into Lake Michigan and had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. I couldn't let pride stand in my way of warning other people, you know, to not drive and text or walk and text. It can be dangerous. Now in Fort Lee, New Jersey, they're uh, taking... I love how she ends that. It's not everyone. drive and text or walk and text. It can be dangerous. Distractions can be dangerous. And they can lead to disaster if we're not careful. Maybe we've all been there from time to time. Maybe we haven't been that person who's walked into the wall or walked on the fountain, but, but metaphorically, spiritually, we may have gotten distracted uh, along the way and gotten off of God's plans for our life and ended up in this ditch of distraction and delays and dangers. For those of us who uh, consider ourselves to be followers of this man, Jesus Christ, here this morning, we realize that each and every one of us, God has a plan for our lives. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. He's got good intentions. Like Ryan said last week, he's not, he's not a cosmic killjoy. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He has great plans and purposes for our lives, okay? They're, and they're supposed to set our agenda. They're supposed to be in form and influence how we live our lives and how we spend our days here on the earth. The problem is this. As God's unique called out people, his designated representatives of who he is and to kind of display to the world around us what he is like, we have this remarkable propensity to get distracted all the time onto all sorts of peripheral and insignificant matters. And the results can be disastrous. I have a friend who once said this. He says, this culture is like one big narcotic. And if you're not careful, you can get too big of a dose. And you may never wake up. And you may never wake up. What God wants us, for those of us who follow Jesus this morning, is he wants to remind us to not get distracted from the plans and purposes that he has for us. And maybe for some of us, we need to wake up this morning. So I want you to turn your Bibles to, um, to the book of Judges, chapter 2. You'll find that. Um, I'm not sure what page you'll find that on in your Bibles. I think it's 170 in the other Bibles, but 167? Okay, thank you so much. 167, says Jeff. This, is, this pattern of getting distracted is nothing new. It's something that happens over and over again in the Old Testament. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the Bible, the Old Testament is everything that God was doing up until the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, And God was doing a lot. God was doing a lot up until the person of Jesus Christ. He began by uh, redeeming and rescuing this nation of slaves called the Israelites, and he rescues them out of slavery. He adopts them to be his very own people, and he says to them, essentially, he says, out of all the nations in the world, you are going to be my unique nation. You're the only nation in the world who's going to be connected with the living God, the, the true God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And so I want you to reflect 
to all the other nations around, around me who I am, what I'm like, my character, my nature, my essence, my goodness. And you're going to do that by following my commands. Okay? And um, the, the, the problem is this, is that they got distracted from that job description all the time. And the clearest example of this is found in the book of Judges. We'll read this in, uh, in chapter 2 here. Chapter 2, um, it started off with this. It says, The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Okay? Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. Okay, so the context is this. God's people have come into the land of Canaan, okay? They have essentially settled the land, but they haven't settled all of it. They're still living amongst all these people who are evil and who do not follow God. They follow false gods. They They worship pagan gods, and... So they are rubbing shoulders, essentially. They're side by side living with people who are antagonistic towards them and hostile to the things of God. And the question of the whole book of Judges, that the book of Judges seeks to kind of resolve, is how are the people of God, how is the nation of Israel going to respond to living in this kind of situation? And so we don't have to read too much further to kind of get the answer to that, if you look down to verse 10, it says this. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that's another way, fancy way of saying they had died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals. Okay, this is disastrous. This is the people of God. Okay, they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt, they followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Okay? So this is the situation. Okay? The, the, you have the people of God, the unique called out people of God, adopted into his family. They were given a mandate by God, a mission by God, to kind of settle that area, to kind of clear the area of all the inhabitants and people of the land. And they got distracted from that mission, from that mandate, all the time. Okay? Does that sound like anybody that you might know here today in the United States of America? <laughs> we, are, we are the people of God, okay? We're living side by side, rubbing shoulders with people who are hostile to the things of God and antagonistic towards the purposes of God, Right? Okay, we've been given a mandate and a mission from God to be his representatives of the world, to tell the people what God is like, but that we get distracted from that mission all the time, all the time. You know, just one example. Me. Jesus said to himself, to, he didn't say it to himself, he said it to his disciples. He said, he said, do not accumulate things for yourself in this world. Where moth and rust can destroy, but thieves can break in and steal. But, but gather up for yourself treasures in heaven. But what do we do? <laughs> we accumulate and pursue wealth with the best of them. 
In fact, they have done in-depth, comprehensive studies of people who call themselves born-again followers of Jesus, born-again believers, followers of Jesus Christ. And when they do these in-depth studies, they find that there is absolutely no discernible difference between someone who calls himself a Christian and someone who has no faith at all. That should be alarming to those of us who follow Jesus Christ. And I think what has happened to the, what happened to the judges can very easily happen to us. They were the unique people of God. They are called out. They are living in this world that was hostile to the things of God. They were given a mission and a mandate from God, but they kept on getting distracted from that all the time. Now, the Israelites did have this mission from God. You don't have to go too far back from the book of Judges to find out what that mission was. In the book prior to the book of Judges, there's this book called Joshua. Joshua is named Joshua because it's all about Joshua, who was the leader of the Israelites at the time, and he was supposed to lead the people into the land of Canaan, this good land that God had promised them. And in the very beginning of the book of Joshua, we read these, we read these words up there. We read these words there <laughs> up there. Um, he says this, I give you every place. This is my fault. We should have made the background lighter on the PowerPoint. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Okay, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. This is going to be the extent of, of their land that they're going to settle in. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Okay, Your mission is sure to be accomplished. I'm with you. Okay, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is saying on the very front end, at the beginning of this mission, that they are to, to accomplish, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Okay, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. So this was their mission. Now we, as followers of Jesus, we have been given a mission. We've been given a mandate. Some of you may not be aware of this, but Jesus, you know, before Jesus went to the cross, he talked about all sorts of things. He gave parables, told stories that illustrated the kingdom of, of, of God. He had great moral and ethical teaching. You read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Those are some of the most incredible moral, ethical teaching you're ever going to read. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Just amazing, amazing stuff. But after Jesus dies and resurrects and rises from the dead, he essentially has one message. He always says the same thing over and over again. You know what his message is? After he rises from dead, it's go, go into all the world and proclaim and tell people what I've done. In fact, if you go to, to, to Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, he says, then Jesus came to them. This is after he died and rose from the dead. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's another way of saying I'm God Almighty. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations there is actually the Greek word ethne, which we get the word ethnicities from or ethnic from. And it doesn't mean nations like we think of geopolitical nation states like, you know, you know, Ghana is the, these borders and, you know, Russia, are these borders. It means people groups. So people groups who have their own culture, their own history, their own language. Those, that's what an ethne is. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the day. Does that sound familiar at all? That is the exact same thing that God just got, got done telling to Joshua in the Old Testament. I'm going to be with you always 
This is your mission. This is your mandate. Go to Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses, okay, beginning here in Jerusalem, and then you're going to go out to Judea, the area around, around it, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. You're going to go out. I want you to go out to the ends of the earth to be about spreading the world, the whole world with the knowledge of what I've done in Jesus Christ. Now, these two verses are just, I could have picked out any one of a dozen of verses that talk about this, okay? But this was the mission and the mandate of Jesus Christ. And this, folks, okay, if you are here today and you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ, involvement in this mission, in this mandate, is not an optional extra, okay? It's not like something that's reserved for those Green Beret Christians that really take this stuff seriously, okay? This is for everyone. Now, if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you are off the hook, okay? You don't have to worry about this, okay? This is just for people who follow Jesus Christ. And if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means we obey what he says. That means his agenda sets our agenda. It informs and influences how we live our lives. And his agenda for his followers are these two verses right here. And so the question you might be asking yourself is, okay, well, how? I'm not going to go and move my family, Mike, and travel to another part of the world where Jesus is not known. I'm hardly going to do that, Mike, but how can I be involved? I'm so glad that you asked that, okay? Let me tell you six ways that you can be involved. Why don't we put on that, that one chart of the six ways? There are six ways that you, as a follower of Jesus, can be involved and engaged in reaching God's world. And some of these are painless, okay? One is you can pray, okay? These, these, two, these first two, pray and learn. Let's go to the next slide here. Fleshed out it. Pray. There's this thing that you can get online. It's called the Global Prayer Digest, okay? There are over 6,000 people groups, almost 2 billion people in the world. If you are born, if you have the unfortunate circumstances to be born into one of these people groups, you will be born, you will live your entire life, you know, 90 years, and you will die, and you will not hear the word Jesus spoken even once. You got that? If you're born into one of these 6,000 people groups, almost 2 billion people, and you're born into one of these people, you'll be born, you'll live your entire life, and you will die, and you'll not hear the word Jesus spoken. And so if we're a follower of Jesus, we should be concerned about that. And what the people at Global Prayer Digest is, what they've done is they've condensed all the data, all the stories, and they've come up with this monthly prayer guide. You can get it online or you can get a copy sent to you. And it's just every day is a different one of these people groups. And they, this is how you can pray for these people groups. This is what their needs are. This is what they, what they, how you can pray for them. Another resource is Operation World. Operation World is like the encyclopedia of the entire world from a Christian perspective. And you can turn and you can look to, you know, Indonesia. You can look at, at parts of India. And, and it will just give you all the data, all the demographics, all the statistics of how Christianity has been growing in that country or declining or what was happening, how you can pray. There are prayer points for each one of these. You can go online and every single, again, every single day, they have a different country 
there in operational world. This is a great way that you can pray for God's world. Another way you can learn is there's just a few websites on there that you can jot down. These are great resources that have all sorts of articles, all sorts of blogs that you can read that will help inform you to say this is how you can be engaged in what God is doing. One of the great websites that I came across, I didn't know this thing existed beforehand, but it's, it's www.thenations.us. It's the second one down there. Just an awesome website. I was perusing all over the place. I'm like, holy cow, I didn't know this thing was on there. And that's a great way for you to get involved. Okay, go back to that, that next slide with all, all of them on there. Welcome, down in the corner there. Welcoming is a great way that you can be engaged in what God is doing in the world. There are, there are nations. You don't have to go overseas to go to some of these nations. These nations are coming to us. We have all sorts of immigrants coming, moving into Milwaukee, moving into all areas of the, uh, all cities in the United States. And we have an opportunity to welcome these people. I was having dinner with a man from our church uh, just last week. And he is trying to figure out how to move his family into an area of south, the south side of Milwaukee, down by the airport, because that is where all the Rohingya from Burma live. We have the largest population of Rohingya Muslims living in Milwaukee outside of Burma, of anywhere in the world. And they're right here in our backyard, just 35 miles. You can get there in a half an hour and go and work with them and, and go and interact with them. These people who, there are almost no believers in this entire people group. And this family from our church is trying to figure out how to move there. Isn't that great? They want to make an impact. I was, when I was in Iowa, I was staying overnight uh, with this young couple. They were uh, just out of college. And they had moved into this apartment complex that, uh, that I was staying in. And they moved there specifically because that was where all the Sudanese refugees were. And so there's just Sudanese all over the place. I got up in the morning and walked to a coffee shop, and it was just Sudanese all over the place. There were people in the coffee shop. They were sitting around there. They had their, their big, you know, sarais or what, what do you call the head, head scarf that the ladies wear? Yeah, hijab. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and so it was just great. I'm like, here I am sitting with all the Sudanese. I felt like I was in Africa, you know. But there are places in the world where the nations have come to us, and you can welcome them. Um, the other thing you can do is send. You can send people. We have this organization. Some people think it's a secret, like, ministry within Kettlebrook. It's not. You can join it if you want. It's called the International Ministry Team, okay? And the International Ministry Team is people who are concerned about the world and asks ourselves the question, how can we, as Kettlebrook, strategically get behind people and missionaries in other parts of the world where the name of Jesus is not known. And how can we, then we get to get behind those people. We support them. We write them. We encourage them. And you, all of you guys, when you give to the thing called the IMF, IMF, which is the International Ministry Fund, you are giving to support people who live in some of these darkest areas of the world where the name of Jesus is not known. People like Molly and Eric Croner, who are there in Chad, Africa, amongst all these Muslims, and they're helping see these people come to Christ, and they've begun to see the first fruit of the church, and they have this group of, of women who are, who are followers of Jesus now, and they're just taking it on the chin because they are the first followers of Jesus amongst that people group. But Molly and Eric are able to be there because people like you have checked the box that says IMF, International Ministry Fund, so we can support them and they can live there and they can do that work. That's a great way to be involved and engaged in what God is doing in the world. And then one of the last ways is, is go. 
go off there in the corner. Go is, is, is simply going. You have an opportunity to go on a short-term trip. Some of you have an opportunity to go. You get to go and you get to rub shoulders with some of these people who have made it their life and their passion to go and live amongst these people. And you rub shoulders with these people and you are just inspired because it's like their heartbeat beats with the heartbeat of God. And you're like, ha, ah, you come back and you're like changed. You know, I've had people come back from mission trips and they have given 20 acres up for sale so they can give to missions overseas, Okay. My sermon will never do that. No matter how much I prepare and preach and pour out my heart into a sermon, my sermon will never do that. But when someone goes overseas, their heart is changed in an amazing way for the purposes of God. Now, pray, learn, send, welcome, mobilize others, go. One thing, one box you will not see up there is none of the above. None of the above is not an option. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, none of the above is not an option for us. We are all called and invited to somehow play some small role to see the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus come to know about his life, death, and resurrection and the fact that God loves him. The question really is, how? How are we going to be involved? How are we going to be engaged? Now, some of you might be here and you're like, I, I, haven't, been, I haven't been engaged. I'm sorry. I haven't, uh, this has never showed up on my radio screen. This might be the first time that you're realizing this. That is okay. That's good information. Okay? Let me tell you about my trip to Iowa. All right? I was on my way to Joliet because I had missed my turnoff. Okay? I wasn't supposed to go to Joliet. All right? But you know what I did? At the next exit, I got off. And I turned myself around. And I got back on the interstate going the other direction, and I got back in the direction that I was supposed to get going, and I got back on track. The biblical term for that is repentance. It's turning around and saying, I'm not going in the direction I ought to be going. I want to go in that direction. That's repentance. And so maybe there's some of you here, you're saying, wow, I am a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. I love, I, I, I want to be a follower. I love him, but I, I, I've never been a part of this. That's, that's okay. It's good. Just say to Jesus, okay, I'm going to get off on this next off ramp, and I'm going to turn myself around, and I want to somehow engage in one of these. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to think of two questions. Spend some time answering these two questions, okay? If you are not involved in what God longs to do, his mission for all of his followers all throughout the world, to see his nation, his glory and his story spread throughout all the world, what has distracted you? Why am I not involved? And then ask yourself this question. What might be one way, one of these six ways, that perhaps I could get engaged and involved in what God is doing? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would be kind and gracious to us. And through your Holy Spirit, that you would convict if any of us here has gotten off track, if we've gotten distracted, if we've been like the, the people of Israel in the book of Judges. We got distracted and, and called into, into all sorts of things of people around the world. For some of us, it might be pursuing wealth. For others, it might be all sorts of other things. It might, it might be relationships. It might be uh, wrong priorities of, of 
things of the world just really infiltrating our lives. Whatever it is, we want, we want to weed those out and we want to get back on track to what you've called us to be engaged in and involved in. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd encourage each one of our hearts this morning as, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And if there's any way that we could be involved in what you're doing in one of these six ways, give us the courage this morning to do it. We pray this in Christ's name.